Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. The start of bowl season is just around the corner. Georgia Southern and Louisiana open bowl season on December 16th, while App State closes out that day against Miami of Ohio. We're excited to talk about their matchup shortly. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Friday's episode. Caden and I looked at the upcoming Myrtle Beach and RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, plus Georgia Southern quarterback Davis Brin stopped by to provide insight into his team's season. If you missed it, you're going to want to go back and give it a listen. Today on episode 160 of the show, we're looking forward to talking about the last bowl game on opening day as we continue our bowl season preview series. We're discussing the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl on today's show. Kate and I will take an in-depth look at the matchup and discuss the key storylines ahead of the games. Plus, App State quarterback Joey Aguilar will join us momentarily to talk about the Mountaineers matchup with Miami of Ohio. Kate, and this is one episode each year where you get to be an App State homer. It was a successful season in many ways for the Mountaineers. A bowl win would be the icing on top of the cake. Why is this Cure Bowl such a big opportunity for this program? Yeah, no, I think when you look at this program, I was ever since I was inserted into the program a year after the bowl era began for this team, we've seen success and sustained success for years upon years upon years with five straight bowl wins. And having my senior year be the first time we've lost a bowl game, then last season being followed by this team not making a bowl game for the first time. This is a huge deal for this team and this program. This App State fan base doesn't take bowl games lightly. They travel well. They love the pride and take pride in ending the season with a bowl win. And I think that's just huge for this program, especially given the season we just saw them have. We'll talk more in depth about just their ability to fight adversity in the beginning of the season, claw their way into making the championship game. And although they fell short, this bowl game would definitely be big as far as ending the season on the right note and being a bowl champion, like Coach Clark mentioned to us at the press conference. You're not always going to make it as the conference champion. You only get one of those per year, but being a bowl champion is definitely a banner for a lot of teams, a lot of programs, and something you can hang your hat on in the offseason, especially with recruiting and everything that comes with it. Outside of that defense for App State down the stretch, Joey Aguilar was a big reason why this App State team turned it around in November like we promised. Joey Aguilar is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from the Sunbelt's top newcomer. Well, we're excited to be joined by Sunbelt Conference Newcomer of the Year and App State quarterback Joey Aguilar on the Frarian Smith Podcast. Joey, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to come on. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Well, Joey, let's start. You're a California kid. We know how the weather in Boone can be in the month of December. How are you handling the elements, and how excited were you to hear that you guys are going to Florida for a bowl game? I mean, yeah, the weather is crazy. It's, it's super cold out here, so I'm throwing on a whole bunch of puffer jackets and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to go to Miami. I mean, I've never been out there to Orlando or nothing like that, so it's going to be a good experience to just go out there like and just see like everything that I haven't seen before. What were the vibes like in the locker room when you found out you guys were going down to the Cure Bowl? Uh, everybody was excited. I mean, we got a lot of players out from that area, so a lot of people were just going to be home and just excited to be back in their hometown area. Yeah, I know all the Florida boys on the team were probably thrilled about that when I remember we had the Boca Raton Bowl. It was almost like a home game for us in certain areas. But, Joey, you're a JUCO product. We've heard a lot of interviews and conversations where people have referenced it but not really talked about in depth what the experience was like for you. Could you maybe share what your two years were like at Diablo Valley Community College and what parts of that experience maybe helped you get to where you are now? Yeah, so I started off my uh, Jugo career in 2019. I was going to San Francisco City College and I was commuting out there. I was taking BART. So it's like a train that goes from like city to city to city. 
all the way to San Francisco International Airport. So I was taking that with a couple friends that was also going JUCO with me, spending like a hundred some dollars a week on on transportation. So we started we started not paying and started getting in trouble because I mean it was just costing us too much. So after a while, I mean we just decided, I decided like I couldn't pay it no more. So I, I transferred to DVC, which was way way closer to San Francisco to me. So transferred to DVC and then uh, COVID happened. So then I'm, we're out there pods of three or four working out on the field like you're you hardly like conceiving your whole team because you you're out there all at different times so I took that as just to build my body I mean I was like super skinny so I just got bigger in the weight room and then uh finally we were able to play my first season and we got uh my quarterback coach Drew Anderson uh he played at DVC went college and played for the Arizona Cardinals so he kind of like took me behind and he was like not he was not old, an older guy he was like pretty younger so like we kind of like spoke the same language and stuff so he kind of just took me under his wing taught me everything he know and then we just kind of like had that mutual like respect for each other and and he taught me a lot within Juco so like my first year I came in I wasn't the starter took over the starting job halfway through the season and then going into year 2 uh I was a starter and went into uh I got injured and then came back halfway through the season. So, like, my Juco career was kind of, like, uh, up and down for me. I mean, I was hurt. I didn't start. I just had to, you know, stay stay true to myself and believe in myself and then ended up getting looks and stuff like that after the season. And after the season, everything just went so fast on my recruiting process. What was the uh, the biggest connection to this App State program? Obviously, pretty much, you know, opposite end of the country. Uh, when I visited here, I just – felt like I was more more wanted than than I was at any other school like when I came here I mean all the players were like super welcoming coaches were super welcoming and then I just like the tradition of, of football they got here yeah no I think those are some great reasons and obviously things that Caden has talked about during his App State experience now Joey earlier this week you announced that you're returning to App State next year in today's college football landscape, and particularly at your position, there's a ton of movement in the transfer portal, particularly from guys who had great seasons like you. What went into your decision to recommit to stay at App State heading into next year? Yeah, I said it in another podcast. I mean, I committed somewhere for a reason because I believe I can better myself as a player and a person there. I mean, I don't really have no reason to leave, and they didn't give me no reason to leave either. So. Just got to come back better uh, than I was this past year and hopefully get my team back to where we were this past season. Joey, we saw you made your announcement through the 33-33 NIL collective that they have now at App State. I'm just curious, could you maybe speak about what that relationship has been like with the collective and maybe what NIL has kind of looked like for you as a whole since you've arrived to Boone? Yeah, I mean, NIL for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, I mean, I was at JUCO seeing all these people get this NIL stuff, like deals with old bunch of companies and stuff like that. So. For me, it's a little weird because like, I didn't really expect myself to be in this situation. But the thirty three, thirty three collective, I mean, it's like it's more than like financial. I mean, you you're you meeting people that can help you after football, and that's really like the biggest key. I mean, football comes to an end at a certain time for everybody, so just a big key of just meeting new people that can help you once you graduate in your either career path or if you want. I mean, I don't know, just whatever you want to pursue after football. There's all these type of people that can help you with that. 
Well, it definitely sounds like you've got a good head on your shoulders and you're not only looking at the current picture, but the big picture. Uh, Joey, let's talk some football. This team, you know, really started clicking in November, but you specifically were absolutely cooking, you know, at the end of the year, you were finding the end zone. You had multiple three or four touchdown games. What led to that success and really elite level play from you down the stretch? Yeah, in the beginning of the season, I mean, I was uh, just trying to make plays that wasn't there. So I just had to, you know, get into myself, get into the film film room a little more and and just get more down into my level of training. I try to – I cut out, like, if plays wasn't there, I either checked it down or went on to my next read. Uh, so personally, I mean, I just sunk down to my level of training uh, and just took what the defense was giving me. Yeah, and speaking of defense, Joey, it's clear that the defense always also really played a lot better towards the end of the season too. They only allowed ten points per game, less than ten points per game in November. When you talk about the growth that you saw and also seeing the growth of this defense, whether it was when you lined up against them in practice or watching them from the sidelines up close in the games, what difference did you see in the defense from the beginning of the season versus what we saw from them down the stretch? Yeah, I'd say the energy. I mean, that practice in November, we that ODU game when we were three and four, we just told each other we had a Season could go one way or the other. It could go up or it could go down. And we decided for it not to go down. So we brought more intensity and energy at practice. I mean, more competition. So that kind of correlated to the game. When we go out there, it's kind of just second nature. When we're out there, we we see as our offense is the best against our defense. Our defense is the best against our offense. So when we go out there, it's kind of just like our we already played against the best at practice. So this is – nothing nothing different so when we go out there in the game with all that energy and on the sideline really the most is that helps up the defense and vice versa with offense so it just it just goes hand in hand when the offense is doing good it motivates the defense to go out there and get the offense back on the field and that I mean helped us a lot in November well Joey Caden always gets us to talk defense on this podcast but I love some good offensive football and we've got to show some love to this wide receiver group you've got guys like Christian Horn and Caden Robinson, Makai Jackson, Eli Wilson. I know I'm missing a few there, but we've called this the Sunbelt's deepest wide receiver room. What makes that room so elite, and how much fun has it been throwing to those guys all year long? Yeah, I mean, those guys all, you know, work on their, on their crafts, and it shows this season. But just having all of those guys is, is just makes it easier on my part because I know whatever group that goes out there is going to make a play, and, and I have full trust in all my receivers that, all my receivers, tight ends, and running backs that go out there and line them. So when I go out there and I'm scanning the field and I'm looking, I'm like, all right, I know if I throw it to this guy, he's going to make a play. If I throw it to that guy, he's going to make a play. So on my part, it's just pretty much easy on my part. And Joey, you had one of the coolest, I think, career moments I've seen at App. I'll never forget when you came into the game for Ryan Berger after you got injured. Very first time you step in under center, you, you get the ball, you throw a 32-yard touchdown pass to Caden Robinson on your very first play, and the rest is kind of history. What do you remember from that moment specifically, and how does that stack up against other memories you've had in your first year at App? Yeah, I mean, I, that was probably first memory, though, like my top memory, because, I mean, we was out there, I mean, we always trying to get Berger back in the game. He said he was hurt. I was trying to tell him how to tape his finger back up and stuff like that. And then he just said he couldn't go, and they told me to start warming up. So I'm like, all right. So I start warming up, and then we go out there and call a pass play. I'm like, all right. So I go out there, I look, and I see the defense. I'm like, oh, I think K-Roll, he's going to be open right here. Drop back, and I throw it, and then he's handing up scoring. I just hear the crowd going crazy. And I, I, I just thought about my family because my family all was out there at the game. So I was like, man, 
that's tight. That's the first thing I try to like. I went K Raw, celebrated with K Raw, and then I try to like look in the stands to see my family, but I couldn't even find them. But that was the first thought that came to my mind. What was it like hearing the roar of that App State crowd for the first time? It was tight. I mean, I've been to like college games as like a fan, so like being on the field is is different. I mean, JUCO, we didn't have that many fans, not even close to that many fans. So it definitely helps a lot. It definitely helps a lot. But like me, I, I tune, tune it out. When I'm on the field, I don't really hear it until like the play or drive is over. So like, I mean, everybody, like, especially when we're like JMU, third downs, crowds going crazy. Like, I, I can't really hear it. Like, I'm just like tuned in, focused until after the play. Like, we'll, we'll throw a pass, get a run, and you just hear everybody go, oh. So, like, it, it's cool to have a big crowd and everybody screaming stuff like that. Yeah, every uh, college football athlete's dream to play in front of a crowd like you guys get to up in Boone. But, Joey, last question here. You guys are facing a Miami of Ohio team that's a conference champion. Much like you guys, they've been playing some winning football down the stretch. Uh, what have you seen from their defense? What stands out, and what are some keys for this App State team heading into the bowl game? Yeah, I mean, they got a really good defense. I mean, uh, they're a big cover one team, so we're just going to try to – do what we do every game just run our plays attack the perimeter and hopefully get the run game going they got a really good box so we're just going to stay true to ourselves no, nothing new i mean everything we've been doing has been working every week to week so we just get 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 going early and and we'll be good well joey really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to come on the Ferry and smith podcast certainly wishing you and your teammates best of luck as you guys head down to orlando to play in the cure bowl thank you i appreciate it Okay, that was a lot of fun talking with Joey Aguilar. We've seen him play in person a couple of times this year. Great to kind of hear his story, riding a train up to San Francisco and trying to keep the dream alive, now getting this opportunity to play in front of 35,000-plus every Saturday. It has to be quite the dream come true for Joey Aguilar. Yeah, really appreciated him sharing that nugget with us. That's definitely a surreal experience. I couldn't imagine being in those shoes as someone who not only is just moving across the country and pursuing your football dreams and seeing them come through right before your eyes, especially with the magic of just him throwing that first touchdown pass too, but just going back to the grind and the and the struggle and him having to claw his way in that situation, having to come out of his own pocket to take public transportation and him finding his way through the JUCO route and making it on this App State stage just makes his season that he's had, and especially the end of the season he's had, definitely even more impressive than I think I could have imagined already looking at it and already seeing it from an outsider's perspective. Okay, and another element we saw this come out late last week is Joey Aguilar is coming back in 2024. I have to admit, when I was at the Sunbelt Championship game, I got asked by quite a few App State fans if I felt like Joey Aguilar was coming back. We've seen what has happened in the transfer portal with money being thrown around. Joey recommits the 33-33 collective, a big part of that. Uh, that's a huge move for App State as we look ahead to 2024. Definitely a huge move. And I think the buzz you're talking about and some of those questions that were being asked around the championship game, it's just the normal question now these days when you look at the group of five level in general and attaining success. It's not going to be the first offseason we're seeing the top performers from this conference put their name in the transfer portal and try to take it to the power five level, especially at quarterback. And I think the fact that Joey wanted to stay. The fact that he wanted to finish what he started at App State is huge for this program, monumental. I think when you look at them big picture-wise and setting and establishing this culture with their collective of getting their players to stay. Tim Beck told us in the offseason he wasn't getting enough pats on the back for re-recruiting Grayson McCall to come back 
to Coastal Carolina. It's a similar situation with Joey. Them re-recruiting Joey, getting him to stay within the program and not seeking other schools and seeking that Power 5 level in competition is huge for this program. I think it's huge for this team and sets a great standard for other players as well on the program. If your starting quarterback is probably the guy that has the biggest opportunity to go elsewhere, make the most dollars and make the biggest noise in the transfer portal, and he's the one not doing it, it definitely sets an example and it trickles down to the rest of the team. And I think it definitely makes anyone even more optimistic than they would already be about this App State team heading into the next season for sure. Well, I think it's time to start calling Sean Clark Santa Claus because he just delivered a fantastic Christmas gift to App State fans, keeping Joey Aguilar around. Well, Kane, we brought Joey on to talk about this upcoming Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. App State coming in 8-5 and five off that Sunbelt Championship game, lost to Troy. They are going to face a Miami of Ohio team that's 11-2 and two out of the MAC this game. Being played down in Orlando, Florida at FBC Mortgage Stadium on December 16th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ABC. This one's going to get a ton of viewership. A couple of quick notes. App State making their return to bowl season. They will make their seventh bowl appearance in the last eight seasons. This will be the fourth time that they'll face an opponent from the MAC in bowl season. 3-0 all-time, their first meeting since 2017 versus Toledo, a game that kind of puts you on the map, Cato, if we're being honest. This is the first ever appearance for the program in the Cure Bowl. And because we bring the important stats on this episode, this is the first meeting versus a team from Ohio since 2017 in that Dollar General Bowl. Caden, we've talked a lot about App State's turnaround this season. They were 3-4 and four after the Old Dominion loss. They go 4-0 and oh in November, including a win over a ranked James Madison squad. They play for a Sunbelt title. They ultimately lose that, but... As Joey provided some insight into the turnaround, Caden, given how last year went, it was paramount for App State to reestablish themselves amongst the powers in the Sunbelt Conference this year, and they did it. Yeah, it was huge. I think when you look at last season for App State, it's just, just from a resume standpoint, if you look down the line of their recent history, it just stands out as a glaring season of, of failure just compared to the, the standards that this, this program and this fan base and this culture they've established. And I think the fact that some of that trickled into the early season. I think it just really speaks to the margins of winning in this conference. When everyone looks at last season and tries to point at what went wrong for App State, I think at the end of the day now, and we're seeing it this season, it comes down to the East specifically in this conference and this conference at large being harder to win in than ever. The margins are super small. App State was on the losing end of some of those margins last year and the beginning of this season. And next thing you know, you're seeing them turn things around heading into the month of November, of November winning games in the most important time like we're accustomed to seeing. And as a result, they find themselves back in the championship game. So it was a huge turnaround, especially for this program, just giving the pressure and the expectations and the standard that's been set there. And I think when you look at them now heading into next season, you have to feel way more optimistic than you did last year. Heading Coming off of that 6-6 six and six season, it was definitely trying to figure out your quarterback as well, who's going to start at that position. It's just a lot of stress and a lot of pressure kind of regenerate and kind of re gather that swagger and get going versus heading into next season. Now they have something momentum to, to build off of the momentum to go off of based off that strong finish to the season. And I think if you could draw it up any other way for app state. If you were going to get kind of the win loss record, you were going to get having to take those lumps early. You'd much rather take them early, have a strong finish to the season and be able to use that both into the championship, into the bowl game and into next season. So definitely huge for this program, especially just given their pedigree and what they've been able to do in history and kind of changing that recent history a little bit. Yeah, expectations certainly extremely high on the mountain. I think back to the interview that we did with Marty Smith in episode 100 of the show. He talked about Coach Clark comparing this to baby Alabama. You need to win championships. 
inside this App State program. Definitely would suggest going back and giving that episode a listen if you get a chance. But, Kane, let's talk about the quarterback situation. And, you know, based off of what we've just said heading into this game, Joey Aguilar's locked in at quarterback one, not only for this game, but into next season. You're looking at a Miami of Ohio team, though, that lost starter Brett Gabbert to a gruesome leg injury in late October. They, in turn, turned to Avion Smith, who took over and is a real threat on the ground. He had 99 yards on the ground in that championship game, but he's not as much of a threat in the air. Hey, everyone, we're interrupting today's show to tell you about our recently released Prairie and Smith podcast newsletter. Subscribers will receive weekly emails when new episodes release, as well as information about the top Sunbelt football storylines that week. You can subscribe today using the link in the show notes of this episode or by clicking the link in our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter bios. It's the best way to keep up with the Sunbelt football and the Prairie and Smith podcast. Now let's get back to the rest of today's episode. Let's talk Joey first. He's had a special season, Caden. There's no other way to say it. The most passing touchdowns ever by an App State quarterback in a single season. He mentioned that he's gotten better at taking care of the football, and the numbers clearly show that. When you look at Joey Aguilar, what led to such a a special season for him? Yeah, no, a lot of things. And I think the most interesting part, and we were talking about this a little bit off of the air, just looking at the talent at the quarterback position at App State, this team in this program has been absolutely spoiled. To go from Taylor Lamb and Zach Thomas, who brought these teams multiple championships and set a lot of records, to go now to a Chase Bryce and a Joey Aguilar, which are two guys who might not have been able to meet those championship expectations as far as winning a Sunbelt title, but their ability from a talent standpoint and their arm strength and just showing quarterback traits and abilities we haven't seen at App State. It's just, they're absolutely spoiled as far as what they've been getting at this position. And I think Joey has been the the epitome of this when you look at him having a record record-breaking season and just more specifically his ability to put the ball in the end zone and that deep ball accuracy and his connections he's had with his wideouts. You've just seen it grow and grow and evolve. You saw a glimpse of it throughout the year when this team was able to make explosive plays through the air. But when you're having turnovers like he had a lot in the beginning of the season, kind of counteracts that. But once he got into the month of November and we saw those interceptions go down and those touchdowns be maintained or go up, that's a scary sight for any team. And you just have to give credit to Joey for growing throughout the season, going through an offseason quarterback battle and then being thrown into the quarterback position just in the middle of fire, in the middle of a game, having to take over the reins of that role and having to improve yourself as a player throughout the season is not something that should go unnoticed. And I think also his ability that we've talked about to get all of his pass catchers involved, whether it's tight ends, wide receivers, getting all those guys looks and touches and instilling confidence in those guys has been huge for this team. And just the ability to double down on this, this off season is definitely scary. If he was able to improve like this during the season, if he has an entire off season of spring and another fall, knowing he's a starting quarterback of this team to get stronger, better, and just raise his level of play even more. I think it's an absolute nightmare for the rest of the conference, and I think it's not going to be ridiculous to see him heading into the season having some of those preseason accolades, whether that's player of the year, offensive player of the year, first team all-conference. He's definitely earned it and definitely has an ability to get even better, which is great for App State fans and probably horrifying for his opponents in the east of the conference. Yeah, Caden, I think those are some great points that you're making, and particularly the preseason honors heading into next year. There's a conversation to be had depending on Maybe if a guy like TJ Finley stays in the conference, that Joey Aguilar will be the best returning quarterback going into that 2024 season. Kane, I mentioned it on the other side. When you look at this Miami of Ohio team, they're not going to throw the ball a ton, just 16.8 pass per attempts per game since Smith took over. 
as a defender, how do you defend the run while still respecting the pass? Yeah, it's an interesting balance and equilibrium to maintain. We're seeing Gabbert, when he was at the helm of this offense, they were a lot more pass-heavy. He is a guy who kind of has the full control and full playbook of what he wants at his disposal, just being an experienced guy coming from a NFL family and pedigree. His brother Blaine Gabbert was an amazing quarterback in Missouri and is now still in the NFL. But when you look at him having that gruesome injury and Avion Smith taking over the last five weeks of the seasons, this team had a complete identity change, not only as an offense, but as a whole. They're way more dedicated to the run. They're using Smith's legs a lot more, and he hasn't really been very efficient or effective in the pass game. The more they have him throw the ball, the more he's turned it over. They like to get him involved with his legs, and I think you're seeing them move more towards the style of play we almost are more familiar with seeing from a Troy last season when they can't really necessarily rely on their quarterback to put up a bunch of points, but know that their defense is going to keep the game close. You're going to have a quarterback who can get you into field goal range enough times with a great kicker to get the job done and just put points on the board and ultimately keep the li- keep and limit the scoring from the offense of the other opposing team and have your offense do the best they can as far as controlling the game, being complimentary to that defense, getting things done on the ground. And I think when you look at this matchup now, App State has the sample size and the sample to look at with five games with Avion Smith being the starter to really break down what they're trying to do offensively. And I'm guessing that from looking at that breakdown, they're going to be very dedicated to having a lot of hats in the box. We'll talk more about how they weren't necessarily able to do that in the championship game, which maybe is double a reason why they should be dedicated to the run game. But I think when you look at this matchup with this quarterback specifically, you want this guy to beat you with your arm. You want to challenge him to make the right reads, test your your defensive backs who are much improved in one-on-one coverage, and don't let them beat you with the run game. That's been their bread and butter. That's what's kept them in games and kept them winning games despite their starter being down. So I would expect the defensive game plan to want to respect both sides of things, but really stay box heavy and make this quarterback beat you with his arms and not with his legs and the legs of his backfield. Yeah, and Caden, I'm just going to be honest. I've got concerns about that. App State's run defense versus this Miami of Ohio rushing attack. That's my matchup to watch in this game. And we saw what happened to App State in the Sunbelt Championship game. They give up 271 yards on the ground. Kamani Vidal has 233 yards and five touchdowns in that game. They've not been great against stopping strong rushing attacks this year. They've given up 200 or more yards in five games. And This is a Miami of Ohio team that if you take out a bad ground day against Ball State, they're averaging close to 200 yards per game in their last five. If you're App State, what can you learn from that Sunbelt Championship game that you can apply to this one? There's a lot to learn, and what couldn't you learn is probably a better question. I mentioned it after the championship game when we were recapping what happened in Troy, Alabama. App State lost when they were in position and out of position in Troy, which is just a a tough spot to be in as a defense. When your coaches aren't putting you in the right position to succeed and things aren't going your way and the run game's cooking. That's one thing. But when you're in your gap, you're there to make the tackle, whether it's for a tackle for loss or for a short game, and you're letting guys like Kamani Vidal break tackles, fall forward, get to that second and third level of the defense, that becomes a huge problem. So I think they're going to look back at that film and be disgusted at it, and they're going to look heading into this game at how the identity of this offense has changed with a new quarterback and realize, okay, we are going to have to get better to stopping the run if we want to come out of this bowl game with any chance of winning. And I think Rashad Amos, their starting running back, is not Kamani Vidal. He's not a guy who's a national guy as far as his standards and his stats of what he's been able to do this year and for the program as a whole. But he's going to have a lot on on his plate in this game for sure. They're going to rely on him to get a lot of touches. His touches have gone up since Gabbert went down. You know Amos is going to be involved as far as being, or the, the quarterback Smith is going to be involved as well as far as the run game too. So I think Coach Sloan and, and this defensive staff 
have definitely had a lot of time to bowl prep. And just from knowing that staff and those guys, I can assure you they were doing a tackle circuit, which is very grueling. And it's just constantly tackling dummies and doing all different kinds of tackling to start off practice. And then also just walk through class on grass, making sure your gap sound and gap align, because in both of those situations in the Troy game, neither went their way. So I'd imagine that both from an actual tackling and execution standpoint and a game plan execution standpoint, making sure everyone's in the right place at the right time on every given run play you're going to have. I can imagine App State's trying to learn a ton from their Troy mistakes and trying to hopefully come into this game and be a lot better in the run game than they were in their last showing. Hey, you put the game plan together, you practice, but Caden, as you like to say, it's all from the neck up in this game. Can you execute in these big moments and, and play well and certainly if App State can pull off a win, that would be their ninth of the season. And I think a lot of App State fans would be very pleased with how this season has gone in Boone. Well, let's name some X-Factor players for this game. We've kind of had that in our in our bowl preview episodes. Caden, I'm going to go first and just name an offensive player. And I know you've got a defensive pick in a second. But, you know, for me, based off of what we heard from Joey Aguilar, I think the tight end Eli Wilson is a prime suspect to have a big game here. He he doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion. He's been kind of overshadowed by that strong wide receiver play. But Joey mentioned the checkdowns, and, and we've seen them get him involved a ton in the past game. Two of his five touchdowns have come in his last three games. And this is a Miami of Ohio team that's done a nice job defending the pass lately. They don't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. So I think Joey's going to have some time to go through his progressions. But if he needs to, I think Wilson has been there all year, and I've got him picking up a touchdown, Caden. I think there's five catches in here for Eli Wilson in this Cure Bowl. That's a great pick, Noah. And Joey mentioned that they're going to play a lot of man coverage, and if there are, there's a situations in the game when your receivers aren't getting separation against a great defense who has some some skilled players in the secondary, you can rely on that tight end more often than not to be open in the flat. I know they like to get some design plays to the tight ends moving laterally and getting some yards after the catch, and Eli's been great at that this year. And I think when you look at the defensive side of the ball, we've been talking about the game plan of this team wanting to run the ball, being dedicated to that. And I think when you look at this game plan specifically with this game, have to go with Andrew Parker being the X factor player. He's the guy who led this team in tackles with 103. He showed some displeasure with our linebacking rankings coming into the season, proved those wrong by making first team all conference this year and being a championship player. So I think in this matchup, just given the identity of what Miami, Ohio is going to do, this is a guy that had 100 tackles this year. He's going to be sideline to sideline. I'm pretty sure this is his very last game in an App State uniform, so I can imagine he's going to be selling out. And I'm just hoping that he doesn't break the App State Bull tackles record, which is held by Caden Smith right now at 13. I think given the game plan, though, and given what we're having and what we're going to see in this matchup, I think Andrew definitely has a strong chance of breaking that. So he's my X-Factor player. Yeah, I think uh, that's a that's a great pick right there. And you you know, you know, playing in that final collegiate game, it, it can be a, a motivator. Look for Andrew Parker uh, to have a big game. Well, that's going to do it for our Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl preview. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to App State's Joey Aguilar for joining us on the program, as well as to Senior Associate AD Joey Jones for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We'll be previewing the upcoming famous toastery in Scooter's Coffee, Frisco Bowls featuring Old Dominion and Marshall. Plus, Old Dominion Center, Xavier Black will join us on the show. You're going to want to give it a listen. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a moment on the way out to leave us a five-star rating. Let us know what you liked about the show, what we could be doing better. Also, continue telling your friends about the Prairie and Smith podcast. 
So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. Thanks for spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.